Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know. This is the Grizz, <laughs> the Father Grizz. Michael Rapp. Welcome to the podcast. This is a very special uh, occasion here today. We've got the four boys and then some friends that we're going to introduce as well. So Father John on my left here. Hello, Father Nathan. Father Michael O'Loughlin. And we are in uh, Irene, South Dakota. At is a, it uh, Irene? Irene. I thought the place was called Broomtree. Broomtree or is Retreat that just Center. The retreat? Irene's the town, I think, is, is where we're in here. So Mission Hill. Companions of Christ Summer Conference 2018. There's about, how many are we, 60, 50, 60? Yeah. A lot right. of guys here. It's a big crew. We have uh, an international crew this year. We've got a, even a Canadian. Oh, boy. Yeah, oh, exactly. boy. So, we're going north. What are you looking at? You're nervous. Look yeah, I thought this was going to this is going to be kind of a showcase of Catholic accents from around the world. If these guys get on the mic, I don't know if that we're not was... just talking about Father Nathan, but you know. yeah, that's true. Yeah, I was already told by Joe McGill that I cannot do a Scottish accent, and in fact, no one can do a Scottish accent. What? What is that? What is that look? Why is it recording over something else? Okay, so okay, we're this, back to recording. We're in the middle of a cornfield here, or like lots of them, mm-hmm. and I had this kind of fear as a kid i'm confessing this now of getting lost in a cornfield <laughs> like a labyrinth Children you know and you could never find your way out and then i had a dream one time where i it was just that situation where i was lost in the cornfield and i just sat down and decided to turn into a corn stalk <laughs> and i grew into a corn stalk and then i felt like i fit in you know, it's funny you say that because we couldn't find you this morning for a bit. And we, and I actually said to Goble, I said, he's probably out running around he's in the cornfields. He's lost in the corn. Yeah, he's just been. lost in the cornfields. Thanks the, for searching for me, huh? Isn't the end of The Shining, isn't that where they end? In a cornfield, something like that, you know? There's some creepy stuff yeah, like yeah. that. Field of dreams, though. Right, right, right. It's beautiful. Well, should we do some introductions here? We got a great crew uh, on your left here. You want to pass it over? You want to pass this one around? What? Oh, yeah. Okay. Here we go. Father Joseph Lajoie. I, I'm just from Aurora. so Just from Get that Aurora accent. Uh, Alexander Johnson. I'm a seminarian for Diocese of Brentwood in the UK. God save the Queen. <laughs> uh, Joe McGill. I'm a seminarian for the Diocese of Paisley in Scotland. God save the King. <laughs> Father Luke Marquardt, I'm a priest of the Archdiocese of St. Paul, Minneapolis, and a member of the Companions of Christ there. And the pastor of? The pastor of Good Shepherd in Golden Valley. And? And? Linda Gershevsky. Linda Gershevsky! Super fan. You are, you're kind of nervous right now. Like, you sounded nervous on there. Long-time listener, first-time talker. <laughs> Father Mel Strazizich from the Archdiocese of Seattle, pastor of St. Mary's in Anacortes, and St. Paul's on the Swinomish Reservation. What is that, Swinomish? Swinomish. 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 And uh, I'm Cole Powers from Toronto, Archdiocese of Toronto, studying to be a priest there. Is it really true what they say about Canadians? Is it really true what they say about Canadians? What do they say? I don't know. I was hoping you fill it in. They, they recycle a lot. Yeah, we do. Okay. Yeah, we even have green bin, which is like compost. So. Oh, yes. Yeah. 
All right. Well, we're learning. What are some things you can't put in compost? Glass. You can't put glass in compost. Human. You can't put... uh, Yeah, can you put human (laughs) remains? You you definitely can, actually. A friend of mine, a seminarian, he he left, but uh, he worked at a funeral parlor. And I guess one of the things that they have to do over the summer, one of the things that they have to do is clean out all the bodies, so... I, that didn't go in the green bin, but it. <laughs> no, you don't make soil out of that. But <laughs> we had a clergy conference for our eparchy, and we had somebody come in to talk about cremation because we were talking about you know all the the issues within the church. Can you cremate you know scattering of the ashes and everything? And so we, we had someone come in and describe in gory detail all the you know how. Even after you cremate the body, you bring the bones out, but there's this still not clean. I mean, you, you clean it like every day, but it's, yeah. Yeah, it's, it was a horrifying story yeah. when I heard it, too. Okay. Yeah. Hey, so uh, we have Alex. Cheery, cheery news from Toronto. <laughs> Toronto. Can we have uh, Cole and Joe and Alexander just give a brief word on how they ended up in South Dakota? Because we got guy Canada, Scotland, and England here and uh, hanging with the companions. So I heard about... Um, this uh, this podcast. Well, I didn't hear about it. I actually Googled for top 10 Catholic podcasts and it was like number nine or something like that. <laughs> well, thanks again, Cole. That was a really that was a really enlightening story. Oh, you have more. I mean, Bishop Barron is just whipping you guys. But um, but you guys had the best little icon, like the graphic design on the little orange microphone thing. It's very cool. So I clicked and um, once I once I choked back the banter for the first twenty minutes of one of the podcasts, <laughs> you actually had some interesting things to say. So I I, uh, I consumed like seven years of podcast in a couple of months, and I became very interested in in what uh, the experience you guys were living. And uh, so I reached out through the podcast to Father John, who seemed like he. Uh, would answer your email, <laughs> and and answer he did. I was I was shocked that he answered within about twenty four hours. Oh, wow. So I got got the impression of like a super email answerer, which um, apparently he isn't at all. <clears throat> yeah. So so I reached out to him. He invited me to the conference, and here I am. Awesome. Thanks. Yeah. Welcome. It's great to have you. Yes. So similar story, really. Um, I'm. I've been listening to the podcast for a while. Um, I actually like the banter. Um, only thing is, when when you I want to go back and find a subject, I was like, there was something interesting there, and I listened there. I was like, don't you have anything new to talk about this time? <laughs> um, but um, yeah, so I got interested in um, priests living together and supporting each other, and so I sent an email off um, because. I was actually going to cross the Atlantic already this summer. Um, I was going to a wedding in Mexico of a school friends, um, and which is a, it was a crazy wedding because it was Byzantine and Roman as, uh, in Mexico. Very strange. <laughs> Lots of tequila. It was, it was, it was great. Um, and yeah, so send off an email again. Father John responding. Are you seeing promptly. the pattern here? Um, guys? <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, and yeah, here I am. Well, it's great to have you. Last but not least. Absolutely not least. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I am uh, Jojo and I uh, have a few friends in the Companions of Christ in 
St Paul, uh, particularly the moderator, Father Tony O'Neill, who's a kind of family friend. Him and my dad were best buddies growing up, and uh, Father Tony was the best man at my parents' wedding. Um, and so when I was kind of thinking about seminary, he invited me over to come and see the uh, the life that the Companions of Christ uh, live. I think that was six years ago at this conference. It was the first time uh, I saw the Companions of Christ. And I've come back a couple of times since. Um, I'm in seminary in Rome, so I get to hang out with Father Nepo and Father Rapp and a few of the other guys that are around. Um, yeah, it's it, it's a really inspiring way of way of life, and it calls me on. And yeah, thank God for it. Well, we love it, and uh, so Joe's with us in Rome, and uh, he was featured on a certain Bernardi uh, podcast. You remember that? And we kept dishing oh, yeah, all yeah, the hard yeah. hard questions yeah, to Joe. Yeah, so we had a panel. Emotional that was chastity. One of those live ones. We had a panel with uh, Father Evan Coop and Father Austin Litke and right. and uh, Joe McGill, Joe seminarian McGill. extraordinaire. Yeah, so that's not actually just Father Goebel doing a Scottish accent. In fact, we've actually or, or all, Father. <laughs> We've all been forbidden to give Scottish Or Father accents. John. Yeah. John has the best one. No, we've can all you, been. Can we hear Joe, No, do not. No, don't even. Joe loves his accent. No, maybe later. Give me a couple more drinks. And so maybe. what's this What's this conference that we're doing? Is that a... Oh, you're asking? Okay. He's leading the conversation. Well, I'm doing it. No, I'm just trying to... He's nervous about them, banter clock because no, Cole to, is just dogging on them, it. No, no, no. Look, I'm not trying to move it into the topic. I'm just trying to give them some context out there. Right. Listener land. Right. So the, so every summer, so if, if you're kind of new to listening to this, the Companions of Christ is a uh, diocesan priestly fraternity that exists in St. Paul, Minnesota and in Denver, Colorado. And we have, and I think in Joliet now. Is that right? There's a couple other places that are looking at starting it. And these three guys uh, we got to know uh, in their respective diocese and are kind of looking at different possibilities. But every summer uh, we get together, usually in – somebody's outside. <laughs> That's kind of creepy. He came out of the, <laughs> out of the corn stalks. <laughs> Yikes. Um, and uh, so 10 years ago when we started looking at this, uh, this is how it started for us. They said, why don't you come out to a summer conference? Usually the first week in August we get together – um, we haven't done this with St. Paul, I think, in seven, seven years. Seven years, I think. Yeah, so this is the first time we've been back here. Uh, and they come to Broomtree every year. We go everywhere. Um, and, um, yeah, so it's just a great opportunity to have these guys come out. And we're really, really grateful uh, that you got in touch, that Father Mike responded to your emails, and that, uh, you know. Anytime. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I said this vision of Mike sitting in the cornfields just like <laughs> sending emails. So somebody was laughing last I night. They said, said the quote of the night was I send pigeons. I still send pigeons. Carrier pigeons. You know, like it's an art to roll up those little scrolls and then rubber band them around the legs. But yeah. it's it's doable. It just takes time. If, you know? if anybody wants lessons out there. Yeah. Actually the the quote of the night last night, somebody said they were walking past you at the campfire and I was like, Oh no. What's that gonna be? And you said such and father such and such. Uh, yeah, he was in the fifth mansion looking for Wi-Fi or something like that. What were you? What were you talking about? Father Brady. Oh yeah. Father Brady's residing currently in the fifth mansion, looking for Wi-Fi. It's funny. Yeah, you pretty much told this the whole the whole story. What more do you What more do you want me to say? Told the whole joke. Yeah. Yeah, that was definitely anticlimactic. Okay, so, um, I think. Uh, we don't have a topic, but we kind of have a topic. We just had an experience we can talk about a lot. We got a topic. Yeah. We got a topic. So we're here uh, 
in uh, Broomtree at this retreat center. And the, uh, thank you, the themes for the, uh, what, service? What? Don't give me that look. Yeah, for you. The, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Mike, Mike and I are pouring Keep yours away from here. Mike. Mike <laughs> shaky, shaky hands is knocking everything off the table tonight. <laughs> Does Brady know about the spill? Don't tell him. We're okay. in Brady's room. There, there, there might have been yeah, an entire yeah. glass of scotch. Let's, uh, let's, yeah. That's right. <laughs> That's right. So the conference this week, which is being hosted by the St. Paul guys, is uh, kind of a, tool, a twofold topic. The first is uh, angelology, demonology. So Angel slash demonology. Angel slash demonology. And then the second is on life in the spirit. And so introduction to uh, life in the spirit, charismatic renewal, charismatic prayer. Uh, which is uh, distinctive to the uh, companions, especially in St. Paul, of whom we, we learned about the association from. But the Companions of Christ as a model came out of the charismatic renewal communities. That's disgusting. Can you, can you quit, please, doing that? <laughs> He's petting the microphone with his toes. Yeah. He got mad at me for clipping my toenails Yeah, on the other side of the room other in my studio. <laughs> that was kind of disgusting. But, uh, yeah, so... Um, so tonight was um, uh, what? What do we call? It? What's the official title for prayer it? Meeting. Life prayer and meeting, spirit. life and spirit, Life's prayer meeting. Right? We had a couple of days of talking about this because for us guys from Denver, uh, unlike the majority of the companions in St. Paul, we don't have a lot of experience with charismatic prayer, and uh, we didn't grow up in. It just wasn't a part of our upbringing. Um, though I was giving Goble a hard time because he stood up today and asked his, would you say, cynical question and said, "I uh, I know nothing about this, but is." Parents had were very involved in charismatic prayer, but you just never were. My parents were too. Yours were as no, well. No, I remembered uh, prayer meetings when I was a kid, but I never really learned how to do it. It was right. their thing, you know. Yeah. And so I do feel comfortable around it, but I didn't really know. Yeah, it just like wasn't part of my own prayer. And they had kind of, I think things had changed in the charismatic renewal in in Denver to the point where my parents were more into like Eucharistic adoration. And, uh, perpetual adoration stuff and um, classes and things like that by the time I was old enough to really develop my own prayer life. So um, I don't know where, I don't know what happened to that. I asked them the other day and they were just like, we're still open to it. We love it, but we don't do a whole lot of it anymore. So I kind of never learned that stuff. But I, I have to acknowledge that because my mom will give me a hard time. Oh, yeah, the Muzz. Say that I've never seen it before or whatever. And, and as your band name, his mom's nickname is the Muzz. And yeah. it's Trouble with Muzz. In Trouble with Muzz. In Trouble with Muzz yeah. is the band that named their family we band. We often are. In <laughs> Trouble with Muzz. So pass that mic over to Joe McGill for a second, if you don't mind. Yeah, Mike. here's he, a different perspective. Right, so Joe McGill is probably, he, I, I joke, he's uh, aristocratic in the charismatic renewal. So his grandfather... <laughs> Uh, founded the basically founded the charismatic renewal in Scotland. Is that correct? Yeah, kind of. Um, they were involved in the really early days of it in Scotland when it first came over and um, founded the uh, Covenant community that I grew up in. Can you explain br- briefly just kind of how the Sword and Spirit communities work? And yeah, um, well, that's a big question. Yeah, it is. Uh, a little bit closer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ooh, Ooh. <laughs> creamy. <laughs> Um, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, that's right. You were just licking yeah. it with your toes. I'm not sure how close I want to be. Yeah, there. exactly. <laughs> I don't blame you. No, these these communities um, are around the world. Um, they uh, they're made up mostly of of families, uh, but there's also single people 
um, and kind of the odd priest every now and then as well. Um, they're mostly Catholic, but uh, there are ecumenical communities, um, particularly in, in Michigan. Um, and it kind of grew out of quite a lot of the stuff that was going on at the University of Michigan back in the day, as it were. Um, but yeah, it's, it's uh, intergenerational um, and uh, yeah, it, there's a kind of commitment level that people live in. Well, it just got bright in here. Yeah. The lights just got on. So, um, how many communities or how oh. many households live together? How many, Mike's, Father Mike's asking, how many households, how many communities? Well, I don't know the numbers, man. That's, um, at least in, in my, my community in Glasgow is uh, pretty small, the community. If there is in Christ, um, there's maybe like 50 fully committed members. Okay. Um, but loads of kids. Father Mel, come on over here for a second. Um, do you know much about the actual founding of the charismatic uh, renewal? I think it was in the late sixties. Uh, in Duquesne, was, yeah. Do you know? I am. <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> I am new to the charismatic renewal, but my understanding was that last year was the fiftieth anniversary, and they had a big celebration in Pittsburgh. Um, and it was the Duquesne University experience. Um, but in my research, I found that, I don't know if many of you guys know some of this. It's rather fascinating. The, the whole Pentecostal movement traces back to 1900 as their starting point, or 1901. January 1st, 1901 was the first kind of corporate outpouring of the manifestation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And that was in a non-denominational prayer room in Topeka, Kansas. What's interesting, though, is that that very day, Pope Leo XIII in Rome was praying the Veni Sancte Spiritus for a new outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the world for Christian unity on the very same, probably the same hour almost. I, I don't know the hour, but January 1st, 1901 or 1900. Well, so, yeah, so um, if you're not familiar with wow. the, the renewal, what we're, it really is this kind of, Father, by the way, Father Brian Larkin just walked in, took some booze, and just <laughs> slipped out. Oh, I was we trying missed to him. catch him. I, I know, I know, he's him. a sneaky that dog. That was fascinating. That was a really cool fact. Yeah. So, uh, so, 20th century, there's this there's this phenomenon that happens where uh, there's just a new outpouring of the Spirit and a new kind of manifestation, a new activation of the gifts. It happens in the Pentecostal movement in a, in a very intense way, and then in the second half of the 20th century, it takes a Catholic form. And so um, this is, uh, and I, I think we forget how massive uh, of the influence this has. Um, if you think about uh, what happened in at Duquesne, but then um, in Ann Arbor, Michigan, these communities went formed, and what happened was there was this new experience of the Holy Spirit, a desire for um, kind of a life in the Spirit. But uh, but a, I think a really one of the major fruits of it was the renewal of community life in the United States, and then and in yeah, uh, Western Europe life. as well. And I think you can trace a lot of the the renewal of community and the common life back to the charismatic renewal. So examples of that would be like, if you think about Steubenville, the Franciscan University of Steubenville, and Father Michael Scanlon, 
your alma mater, right? And what he accomplished. And then the way that that um, disseminated out into the country and all of these new different communities and uh, new different expressions. I think that a lot of it's traced back. And one of those kind of lines is the Companions of Christ, which we share and which, again, yeah. came to Colorado. and, uh, and It's is, still bearing great fruit. You know, just Jesus said that I will give you the Holy Spirit and he will lead you to all truth. He will guide you. Uh, Jesus, this is this is the promise of Jesus to each person who's baptized receives the Holy Spirit, but also to the church at large and to the body of Christ. Anybody who's connected to Jesus has this promise of uh, guidance. And what I, I think what's fascinating about that is there's nothing um, that we can control about this. It's like the, it's like the wind it comes and goes, right? The Spirit of God. And uh, it just happened to come in at this particular time and kind of um, raise up this communion, the strength in the church, uh, lots of different charisms in our time, um, lots of different gifts and ways that uh, people can serve the church and praise God and uh, a certain savor and joy in the Christian life that you see in, among charismatics. And um, it's it's strange as like a very like intellectual uh, intellectual person and historian um, that looks for the causes in human action the causes of things what's behind things in human action to see new things come about and mysterious things and things we can't control we can only work with it's like really cool the way that God works with the church um, and the Holy Spirit um, kind of becomes active, becomes, you know, it's like stirs up the fire in the church at certain times. Hmm. Yeah, I was just pondering because um, I had came to know the charismatic renewal through my own parish, which was founded as kind of an, uh, uh, an offshoot of another parish in town, but then they were kind of known as the charismatic parish, Our Lady of the Holy Spirit, in Mount Zion, and then my parents met partially through Koinonia, which is um, uh, heavily charismatic, and then Tech is the teens version, Teens Encounter Christ, is the teen version of Koinonia, and then my parents did Curcio, and then some of us have probably done Kairos. These are, uh, retreats. These are all retreats, yeah, that are kind of centered around um, the Paschal Mystery and allowing people to encounter Christ and the Holy Spirit, um, and then probably Life Teen as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, so um, all of us in some ways have um, some kind of heritage from this this kind of seminal movement. So. In my experience, actually, in the beginning was in uh, well, I went to one year at TAC Thomas Aquinas, and then failed out of Latin. And you did, uh, yeah. Did you know that? <laughs> I didn't know this that. Is my story. I was, I was, yeah, one I, year. I have never heard. I, I love that place, but I, I couldn't handle the Latin of, of all the of all the different things. And oh, uh, Father oh, Nate Liberté, all these La guys come in to steal alcohol. <laughs> Father Nate, come here, come on over. Sorry, pause. Yeah, get this guy, Mike. <laughs> He's beat red. Who are you? Where are you from? Who's your favorite superhero? <laughs> Father Nate Liberté, I'm pastor in Delano, uh, St. Maximin Colby. My superhero is Captain, Captain America. America. <laughs> yeah, and what's what socks is he wearing? Captain America. Captain America. Oh, all about I saw those earlier today, and I was like, that's awesome, dude. <laughs> I met Nate LaLiberté in Breckenridge, Colorado, probably 13 years ago. Do you remember that? 
you were, you came out skiing and everything, and I was like, that dude's super cool. And then I didn't I didn't know him. I didn't know anything. And then we had the worst Indian food of our lives that night. Did you? Did it come out both ends? Yeah. Oh wow. But but Breckenridge, Colorado. Father Goble was pronouncing your last name wrong until like yesterday. Well, Liberty. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome. Welcome to America, dude. All right. Nate. All right. Back to Olaf. Sorry, cut you off. um, So I I came home for a year with all of the other fellow dropouts from my high school. And we all went to community college for a year. And in that community college, I took a job. How old are you actually? You're like 56? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, uh, almost. Well, I, I had just too many jobs, but I, I got a job as a security guard of all things. And uh, and what one of the uh, can you imagine a scrawny little? I've me? never heard any of this. This is actually this was actually right before I fought MMA. So I was just a scrawny, <laughs> scrawny, scrawny. Stop it! Are you, kid. are you making this up? <laughs> no. He fought Holly Holm. Holly Holm was my sparring partner for like two years. Exactly. Shut. I totally made that up. But yeah, yeah. okay. We, we we actually did fight in the same gym. We both both with Greg so Jackson. Crazy. Yeah. Anyway, do I have never shown? I guess we never asked him questions. Oh, no, I get it. Oh, no, we never asked him questions because yeah. he's so chill. <laughs> That's it. You're telling all this because Chuck E. Cheese eventually becomes a charismatic renewal hangout. <laughs> that was my first job. That was my first, the first time I ever f- explicitly flirted with a girl because I was so insecure was when I was in the Chuck E. suit. I, 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 know I've, I know I've shared this. I know I've shared this. Wait. Father Mike still no, does like, that. No, like I, I had, yeah. I had no, no self-esteem at all. So, like, the only way I could flirt is if I was in this big mouse suit with a massive head, bigger than my massive head, and and I w- there was a Michael's Arts and Crafts right next to it, and so I would literally walk and pick up fake flowers from Michael's and hand them to girls, and they'd like take the flowers, smile at me, and walk off like steal flowers from Michael's. I wasn't, you know not meaning to do this and they would but if I like they would actually teach you how to dance like I didn't have any confidence to dance so you had to dance you're in the Chucky suit I was 16 and the girls would be like oh it must be a guy in there he dances just like a guy and I'd be, I'd be <laughs> blushing oh man I was that was That's the life funny. 16 years old working at Chuck E. Cheese <laughs> wait, behind wait, a big wait, what does that have to do with the what does oh, that sorry. have to do so yeah. <laughs> so years later <laughs> can I say this yes that you should probably not date a girl who takes Chucky's number <laughs> and then calls him back you this, know like this is before cell phones, I'm not sure so about this girl about my parents like getting the call and I never get my number sure, but. Sure. Chuck the guy the, the mouse's oh, name Chuck is e. Chuck yeah it's like you show up for a You're right, Chuck. What is Chuck's what's Chuck's middle name? What is the E? E. Albert. What does the E stand for? Albert. Somebody Elbert. some somebody let us know on email it's and on Facebook Elbert, what yeah. Chuck's middle name is for Dougie Chuck. Okay. okay. So le- years later years later I still had no confidence and so I got a job as a security guard. Mall cop. Anyway, what one of my jobs was to to uh, guard a parking lot at an evangelical Pentecostal church. And so I would be dressed up as a security guard and I'd watch them do their prayer and I had never seen that in my life and it it scared the heck out of me and then when I went to Steubenville of course most people were charismatic and I I initially got made friends with people that were extremely critical of the charismatic renewal just because I knew nothing about it so therefore I was you know afraid of it but anyway I dated two girls who just were very charismatic and loved it 
and both of them softened my heart, like through them explaining what it was and how impactful the movement was to them. And I think that's what it took. Our Lord just needed me to have a very personal relationship with somebody who was very attached. But honestly, it wasn't until it wasn't until the companions that I actually like tried participating in the two times at Steubenville that I saw like people praying over other people. Both times were like there was like satanic manifestation during the prayer. Hmm. And so I, I I had this kind of aversion to it, but in becoming a companion like today and then last year in uh, in Assisi was the first time I ever kind of let people pray over me and did any praying over myself. And it was a little bit awkward last year in Assisi. There was no awkwardness at all this time. Hmm. It was it was really so, beautiful. Yeah, the um, so yeah, I, go ahead. I think it would help if you explain uh, kind of what like the charismatic element of our time here, right? Uh, kind of what our talks have been or what our prayer has been. We talked about the history of the charismatic renewal, but haven't really related it to the right. That would probably be good. Kind of our yeah, like our day content. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I think that the uh, yeah. So maybe we'll just kind of talk a little bit about the nature of charismatic prayer, and then we'll get into some dicey questions because there's a lot of people listening to this who are kind of like, eh, oh, yeah. Know, they, oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, for weirdos, you know. And we have our own, you know. Um, we come with our own inhibitions from from Denver and these things, and so it'd be good to kind of get into. Like Goble asked a really good question, I'd like to circle back to that in a little bit. But um, so yeah, I think life in the spirit is different than the form of prayer that we call charismatic, right? So when you think of charismatic prayer, you think of people, yeah, hands in the air, um, speaking speaking in, in tongues. tongues. You think of activation of the gifts. And then just expressive praise. I think those maybe be the two elements that are kind of most commonly what we think about, and that's very uncommon for yeah, a, a lot of people. Sometimes people think of healings, right? So act, yeah, so in gifts, the spirit, slain in the spirit, yeah, yeah these kind of particular things. particular gifts. So and kind of extraordinary gifts, we should say, right? But one of the things we've learned from the St. Paul companions is that uh, life in the spirit is is principally concerned with divine indwelling, with the with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the presence of the Holy Spirit. And then the gifts, the deeper gifts, like Father Evan mentioned today at the end of our conference, like faith, hope, and charity, praying for theological virtues, the um, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, fortitude and fear of the Lord, understanding, counsel, knowledge, these things, piety, wisdom. The um, that's kind of the, the 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 deeper movement. And then there are these charismatic gifts that Paul talks about in First Corinthians 12? twelve. Yeah, and Isaiah eleven. And Isaiah eleven, yeah. Paul didn't write Isaiah. <laughs> Gosh, you gotta say that again. Paul didn't write Isaiah. Michael knows Luke. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Luke Acts. He's a New Testament guy. He wrote Third Isaiah. No. So the uh, Isaiah didn't write Isaiah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Sorry, that was the that was a laugh track from the Catholic Biblical School scholars. <laughs> Mike attended the super nerdy biblical uh, exegete conference Wait, this weekend. Give those guys shout outs. Pam Anderson shout out, right? She was there Pam serving. Pam Anderson, uh, Father Matt uh, Monig, Father Thomas Different Esposito, Pam Anderson, yeah, and Joe. Uh, Evangeline Kozitsa, who are awesome scholars, all three. You got a yeah, and they're and they're fans of the podcast, which amazed me. Okay, I went to a scholarly. Biblical conference. He's got the finger. Doing the Trump. And these people. I don't know where I got. I must have picked that up. Oh, no. I mean, I'm done with me. Nobody beats Mike Rep at okay. these conferences. Nobody. <laughs> and, uh, 
Anyway, these guys, these folks are uh, great scholars, and they are fans of this silly show. I was asking them, how can you be fans of this silly show? And they said, it is fun. We feel like family, and you are. I like that about the show, too. I mean, everybody's in. Everybody's in. You know? Yeah. It's, it's comfortable. And then they said they've uh, found some thought-provoking things. So maybe it's like from a distance, you know? You kind of... Um, I don't know. You hear something, and then you develop the thought. So smart people will build on this thing. That was great, though. That was really great that <laughs> but they I came in. So inter- one of them came and introduced themselves happy. to you yeah. right this weekend. Evangeline, yeah. she said that she uh, became Catholic because she started listening to this show and came into the church. Now she's working on a doctorate at Oxford and is the emerging scholar, official emerging scholar at the Catholic Biblical Association. Well, she, and she's super cool. Real nice. And she was asking me, and I really appreciated this question. She was saying, what can I do uh, to make, uh, to to do my scholarship in a way that's helpful for priests to be able to preach better to the church? And I loved that question. I'm going to follow up on that. She might be the emerging scholar of the Catholic Biblical Association, but you're the punk scholar. Oh, yeah, baby. I wore the the bear cub hat. You wore the cub hat, (laughs) yeah. I got, I got some saying, funny First Corinthians 12. Goble would like to get back to the topic. Wrap it up, Wrap Wrap it up with two is, P's. Oh, that hurts. What? He's hurt that, now. He's, put your Chuck E. Cheese suit on. <laughs> Hand him a flower. I want to make it awkward for a little bit. <laughs> All right, go back to the Holy Spirit and the gifts I think, of the Father, Spirit. I think uh, one of the great points that was made today was um, when uh, Michael Becker was talking about how the seminarians were asking uh, the bishop what is your experience of charismatic renewal? And he described it as it's, you know, it's just kind of one charism. It's one kind of aspect. Was that him or was that Vanderbilt? I forget who said it. Becker. Becker said it. Yeah. And he made a good distinction. He said, no, it's like life in the spirit is, um, is not just kind of one flavor, you know, of, uh, of being Catholic. It's actually something that's essential to the life of faith. You know, the, that living in, in, uh, in the Holy spirit, this is just, part and parcel of, of life in Christ. As an as the ecclesiologist in the room, I didn't want to raise my hand and bore people, but I was like, you know, nobody's talking about the whole, the relationship of the Holy Spirit in the church. Uh, we were talking about the Holy Spirit in Christ, and that was Goebbels' question is, uh, how do you get to the incarnation from here and these things? Um, but before you get down to the, the uh, um, kind of concrete, specific form of prayer, which is what everybody kind of engages that, we have to remember that St. Augustine calls the Holy Spirit the, the soul of the church. Now, that needs to be kind of air quotes, right? It qualified because it's not, it's kind of the quasi soul, according to Aquinas. But uh, St. Thomas Aquinas says that the Holy Spirit is the, is the soul and the personality of the church, which is interesting that he uses that language of personality. Anima, right? Yep. With the animator of the, right. the church. Right. So if you think about it, what you're doing is a, is a deeply ecclesial act by, by uh, trying to more, more completely dwell in the Holy Spirit and kind of enter into the life of the Spirit. Like, it's not this kind of weird, kind of super spiritual thing, you know. It's, a, it's, it's something that, it's a way of inserting yourself into the, into the Catholica and actually becoming, uh, taking on the form of, form of the church as well by allowing the Spirit to kind of, uh, in some ways, become the soul of your interior life. It's it's proper to every um, Christian life. It's uh, the same spirit that animates the sacraments, the same spirit that animates every Christian prayer. So <clears throat> these more kind of 
particular and radical expressions of the charismatic life are connected to the rest of that life. And every, <clears throat> every Christian should be uh, filled with the Holy Spirit, should be um, asking for gifts from the Holy Spirit, should be guided by the Holy Spirit, right? And um, so I, 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 say, I say that because I think it's a concern. A lot of, a lot of Catholics wonder, well, is this really just Protestant? Is it really just Pentecostalism? And Catholics are sort of mimicking this stuff because it's convenient or it's been it's worked in some other Christian churches or something, whatever it is. And, well, I, we're not sure exactly kind of what the Holy Spirit does. And there's certainly some wacky stuff that goes on with the freedom of the charismatic movement. I actually think that freedom has borne a lot of fruit of, um, of prayer and of uh, like authenticity in the church. But then you also get some wild stuff, you know. Like people watch these televangelists who are healing by, they, they you know, call on the spirit and then they push somebody over and then they, oh, they're healed or whatever. And uh, it makes them suspicious about this kind of stuff. And really, the fact is that Jesus did miracles and that people um, prayed with in, in remarkable foreign languages at Pentecost and that... This is the same spirit that animates every uh, Christian you know, life and is given to them at baptism. So it's, it's not a, you know, you're praying for something new or you're, adapting or you're adopting some sort of new spirituality. It's just living out the kind of, um, and asking the spirit to embolden your Christian life. Um, Rose told me, my sister Rose went to Steubenville. And she's a charismatic Catholic, you know. And uh, she told me, "Don't shove the dove." Don't <laughs> shove the dove. Don't shove so the dove. Rose, I love it. <laughs> when the spirit's there, awesome. you gotta go with the spirit. Mike, hand that over to Alexander and Cole. Uh, Cole, I'll hand you mine in a second here. But I'm curious for you guys. You know, one of the main reservations around charismatic prayer is uh, that it is just kind of this weird American Protestant thing that we've kind of appropriated. So I'm curious, being in England and in Canada, what is your experience of it? Um, if you had any and you know did did does that kind of you know have you heard that kind of thing as well so yeah i I have come across um charismatic renewal in England um, and my my personal experience has generally not been great i 've not um enjoyed my time but you know you don't you don 't judge these things by enjoyment um, I have to say that the um the people who are involved in charismatic renewal, certainly the Catholics, are the ones who I know who are the most faithful to the magisterium. And by their fruits, you will know them. And I see this bearing a lot of fruit, um, no matter whether I enjoy it or not. Yeah. And from my own experience here today, um, the prayer of, and simply the act of praying for the gifts of the Spirit and praying for it for others and having others pray it for me. That's a wonderful thing to do. That's something anyone can benefit from, um, no matter what your spirituality, I think. That's quite an important thing to do. Well, I have a couple of things to say. I think, um, like, first of all, I was not raised in the church, but I converted as an adult uh, just over five years ago. I was baptized. 
So I didn't grow up with any experience of religion at all. So coming to it from outside, it looks kooky. But um, I converted in, in Montreal, and all of the people my age, ex- with, a, with a few exceptions, were uh, charismatic. And I think the charismatic movement probably kept the church alive in Canada in the 70s and 80s. And without it, there would have been, I mean, practically nothing for people who really believed in what the church was proposing. Uh, the second thing to say is that, you know, I belong to an ecclesial movement called Communion and Liberation. And uh, one, one thing that we are taught to pray is a Latin prayer, uh, Veni Sancte Spiritus, Veni Per Mariam. So come Holy Spirit, come through Mary. And this is something that Father Giussani, Luigi Giussani, would teach, and he was the founder of the movement, would Juice. teach... <laughs> Don Juice <laughs> or Gia Sani as uh, Americans say it but I couldn't resist uh, so Don Giussani would, would teach people to say this at the end of every prayer and he said our whole life as Christians is dedicated to understanding what this means so what does it mean come Holy Spirit come through Mary and I just said it because everybody else was saying it, but I've come to understand one thing about it, which is that for me at least, the Holy Spirit is not something, is not someone who has revealed himself to me in extraordinary, personal, mystical revelations. It hasn't happened like that. And it didn't happen like that for me this week or today. But the Holy Spirit comes through flesh, comes through Mary, comes through ordinariness. Um, and that ordinariness is something which I think people, I would say, just knowing myself, people tend to flee from because it, it, it's, it's uncomfortable to be ordinary. It's uncomfortable to be boring or, or to be simple. And another thing is that I think part of the, the risk maybe, of, I'm, I'm a little bit critical of the charismatic uh, uh, movement. I think... I, I have something to say about that. But for me, like the, uh, the risk is that, you know, I don't need to rely on other people because I have this mystical and personal and unmediated relationship with the divine, which does not need other people in order. And that's not entirely true. Um, but that's, that's part of the risk. So I, I command these gifts and I can grasp them and control them and use them I mean, ostensibly for good, but in the way that I, that I desire. Whereas when the Holy Spirit comes through a community and comes through a people, that's not possible because there's a culture, there's an institution which you have to wrestle with. There's <clears throat> relationships with, with other people which are, which are not subject to your manipulation. So I think that's, that's one thing that's really important for me. Um, on the other hand, like I'll just say about the movement, the the charismatic renewal, what my bishop told me about CL, which is I don't get it, but I love it because I see the fruits that it's bearing um, in the life of the church and in the life of the people that follow it. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the, that's one of the questions that I have is, I mean, every, every Christian has to have the Holy Spirit, like because of baptism, you're not, 
I mean, you're not really Christian if you haven't been baptized. Um, so, I mean, there are you can become a Christian without getting baptized, but usually you're dead, and you find out later that you were actually part of the crew. But um, but you don't have to be charismatic in order to be Christian or Catholic. Um, so sometimes people will say, well, the highest expression of the Christian life is really to manifest in one of these spiritual gifts. And I'm like, nope, that's called 1 Corinthians 13, where he says, and I will show you a still greater way. Um, and so you don't, which is love. Yeah, I mean, like if I, if I speak in angelic tongues and if I do all these amazing things and if I beat my body and if I do all these you know, fasts, but I have not love, I am nothing. So uh, it's, it's helpful because at least this life in the spirit seminar or the, the brothers has been very kind of balanced in terms of um, we can pray for certain things, but it may not happen. And that's okay, like because I've heard some of the people would say you have to you have to speak in tongues. That's like if you're not speaking in tongues, then you really don't have the Holy Spirit. I'm like, check my baptismal record. I have the Holy Spirit. You didn't hear that this week, though, did you? No, no, no. yeah, 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 yeah. So I think the I'm the most Im- that's what the experience of some people. So going back to what Cole was saying, I think the most we love the Italian Giassani. You know, he's he's great. <laughs> Giassani. Giassani. Um, I think one of the most important words you just said was mediation. When, because... Yeah, nothing's... The majority of the guys in this room would not identify as a charismatic Catholic, right? And in fact, I get nervous when anybody puts an adjective in front of the word Catholic. Even even Byzantine. Okay. (laughs) MMA fighter. Come at me. Come at me. What's her name? Even Roman. How about Roman? (laughs) (laughs) Busted. No, uh... But even Romans problematic, right? For you, you know, yeah, we're not right? Exactly. So um, we're not, you know, charismatic. I'm this. I'm this. Paul talks about this, right? Um, well, I mean, I th- I think it's 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 kind of a badge, you know. I ca- I call myself a Marian person or whatever, but I it's not like exclusive. But to be Catholic you know? means to be. Why do ca- I keep doing that thing? You are doing it. A lot I'm of this. He's doing the the ham <laughs> thing. This is really annoying, man. You know what's funny? My dad, recovering from uh, his stroke, he can't do that with his left hand, and oh, that's like his Maybe goal. That's what he I want to do an AOK with my left hand. He's been working on it for months. It's like he's so close. He's like, he's all right, like we right got a skeptic. There. Somebody said they wanted to chime in as a skeptic. No, hold on a second. Let me finish this thought real quick. So, uh, just to flesh out what Cole was saying, mediation yeah. that you you do not have an unmediated relationship with the Holy Spirit, and people in the charismatic renewal who I've met uh, have done that before and that's extremely troublesome yeah. because it's like there's two ways that God mediates his grace and the gift of the Holy Spirit. He does it through the incarnation of his son and he does it through the church. And so what you have is if you separate the charismatic, this kind of giftedness, this relationship with the spirit from the incarnation of Jesus, if it's not the spirit of Jesus, uh, of Christ, then, then it, it gets problematic. Right, and likewise, if you separate it from the institutional church, uh, it gets problematic as well. I think that's where you start to see um, some of the kind of weirdness and some of the things that kind of make have made us nervous. Uh, but again, you know, the, what the guys were talking about this week certainly deeply steeped in the event of Christ, steeped in the in the reality and the media and the medium of the church, uh, wow. and. Uh, and, and then sacramentally founded as well. That what we're doing is not something that's like 
trans-sacramental, it's actually just activating yeah. that, which is, which is latent in baptism and confirmation. Okay, the And skeptic. I think, I, I mean, there's always a tension, and I, I think this is where it, things get really complicated. There's always a tension between the, uh, the Holy Spirit leading the church and then, uh, and then the hierarchy of the church, right? Always the church, because they have to discern these things, and they're human, and they're, uh, they, you know, we, we have to walk through time, and there, there there are times when it seems like uh, God and and and, gr- and grace is going to push the church forward and challenge them to really like kind of follow into the darkness and trust in God. And then there are other times when um, I think uh, people with um, a charismatic spirituality or a sense of the Holy Spirit are just threatened by the hierarchy. And, um, and there's, there's a real challenge to be obedient and maintain um, kind of that connection with the rest of the community. Right. Because the Holy Spirit does work through the community. And people start to think, no, I have the Holy Spirit. They don't. And I know better, right. you know, and that's that's super dangerous. It's always dangerous, but it's also dangerous if you just go dead, and you just go dry, and you don't pray for the Holy Spirit to animate things. You don't look for creativity, and you're not pushing forward. So, um, the St. Paul guys were hosting the Life in the Spirit conference this week. Next year, we are inviting the, the Denver's going to host the Life in the Flesh conference. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's probably the way. That's right. We need to host. Okay, yes. so to skeptic number one, and then Lu- Father Luke, skeptic number two. Let, but you got to do this quick. All right. Well, that's a skeptic. Here you go. Um, my skeptic? Thinking about what Cole said. Thinking about what Cole said, and one thing Father John Vanderflug said today was, it's not so much the extraordinary that's important, but more important is the ordinary means. And for me, I experienced what I would call, I guess, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. 12 years ago by going to confession, which is a very ordinary thing to do. Uh, I had only gone three times in my life, and I was almost 24. And I'd gone 10 years without going to confession. And I had many mortal sins to confess. So I went to confession, and without giving the whole story, I felt a very tangible, physical sensation of the mercy of God in, in my body, physically, that deep. But one of the things that for me has always been weird about this is I feel like I need to go away with something. Like this needs to be very magical or magnificent. And I've gotten to the point now, and I've only done these things with people praying over me that I don't know a handful of times. And I just go into it knowing God is going to do something very deep within me if I'm open to it, even if I don't have anything that's very obvious. And the only time that's been very obvious for me was 11 years ago in Rugby, North Dakota, when I was in poverty immersion for spirituality here in Denver at St. John Vianney where we did this and this was the first time it happened to me and the man one of the guys in my group was a seminarian for Fargo and I don't know if he was ever ordained I think his name was Michael he said something to me that even to this day still resonates in my ear that I needed to hear and I still need to act upon and still need to continue working on and if you remain open to what God might want to do for you through this through people praying over you, being open to the Holy Spirit, the Lord will do something, and sometimes you will actually have an experience of it that's very tangible. If not that, at least be open under very deep uh, beneath the surface of what the Holy Spirit does want to do for you, even if you can't always feel it immediately. Father, thank you. 
I, I'm not a skeptic, but I, th- I think, you know, I came into this whole thing accidentally, maybe providentially, uh, 11 years ago. Father Kevin Finnegan, one of the founders of the St. Paul Companions, as I was discerning seminary priesthood, invited me to a summer conference. Uh, and I gladly came and found myself in the first evening adoration, seeing all of these men with their hands raised and speaking in tongues, and I was immediately freaked out um, because I thought, is this, what have I signed up for here? Yeah, but then it was one year later that I met a mohawked Mike Rapp, (laughs) right? Filled with the Spirit. And and a year after that, that we were in Scampers, and 10 years after that, we're in Rome, uh, two days ago, we had a Peloton, yeah. and, and tonight we had this powerful time of prayer with the Holy Spirit. And so uh, even though I might be a little bit apprehensive from time to time, again, this idea that uh, you'll know it by its fruits uh, and what the Holy Spirit is doing with priestly fraternity, uh, with drawing men together to dwell in Christ uh, and to sharpen one another and, and to push one another, uh, this is good. Uh, and I'm happy to be a part of it, even if I don't uh, completely always understand it or feel comfortable with expressive prayer. Yeah. Um, you know, we were talking earlier today, charismatic shouldn't be defined by acoustic guitars and folk songs. Uh, it should be defined by the Holy Spirit and the way that the, that the Holy Spirit works in us and through us uh, and for the building up of the kingdom, and that's happening. Yeah, Father Father Luke and I were talking today. I think Joe wants to give a quick word, but uh, yeah, that was a really good point. Was just to say that sometimes the experience of it is kind of we have an we have an aversion to it because it's so limited. Like to be charismatic means to sing Ed Conlon songs, as you said, you know, right. today, and it's like uh, you know just to kind of expand that back out. And I thought your comments earlier were great. Father Luke is also our kind of. Denver companion impectore. So if we could do a trade deal, you know, I don't know who we, who would we trade, you know. You can have <laughs> Wagner, you know. Anyone we'll take. would be a good deal. Oh, man, we would take this up. No. Okay, Joe McGill, and then we got to wrap it up. Yeah, I just want to say one thing. I think um, one of the things for me about charismatic prayer is the way that it adds to community life. Um, it's a particular expression of praise and or, of prayer that, sure, not everyone's going to do, and sure, it's not like you, you're a bad Catholic and you're not open to the Holy Spirit if you're not, you know, singing Ed Conlon songs. Absolutely. Um, But one of the things I think that's good about it is that it opens community life and is a way, one way among many, where uh, community, and in this case priests, um, but in my case different family life or community life, um, can pray together and it really does strengthen community in a, in a kind of different way. Um, and I think that's something that's worth, worth kind of saying for it. Um, there's a certain vulnerability that I've experienced. There, there's just a freedom in that prayer yeah. Yeah. where you're just, you're just praying your heart and um, people get to see that, but you feel comfortable with it because you're with the Holy Spirit. And, um, and other people are sharing in that sort of courage and, and boldness in prayer. And um, that alone really uh, kind of changes a culture and, and it, it creates a bond, you know. That's a great note to end on what Mike and Joe, what you were just saying. Can you say? When, when the companions, when, when we came out here for the first time, I asked Bishop Cousins straight up, 
is this essential to the charism? Because this is not, this doesn't feel like us. And he gave a great answer. He said, it's not, it's not essential, but it's fitting, which is a very Thomistic way of talking about necessity. It's a different kind of necessity. It, it, it's fitting. When you pray in this kind of vulnerable way, it, it disposes you towards the charism, which is fraternal intimacy and this vulnerability of life. And so there's a direct, there's a, there's a reason why we did this tonight. And it wasn't just because, you know, the older companions told us we got to do this. But I think deep down we sense, even with our reservations, with these different experiences coming from different, uh, different backgrounds, we, we do sense, like you're saying, Joe, this really does communicate something of the life and the way and the mark of the companions, which is this, we relate differently because we, we have this radical ability to trust in one another. Yeah. So, and final I thought. Enc- I would encourage any, any priest to kind of look into charismatic prayer, pray with your brothers, and e- even if you, like, okay, charismatic it puts a name on something, just pray with your brothers. You know, pray, pray, ask the Holy Spirit to be there, and then uh, pray with your brother priests. And it's powerful. It is beautiful. It's really, really good. So, um, the the other question I had was, these traveling preachers go around, and uh, they say, "Ask Jesus to be in your heart." You know, ask Jesus to be a part of your life or whatever. Can you do the same alone with the Holy Spirit, or is this something that has to be in community? Because every time I've ever done this kind of thing, it's always with other people. So I don't know exactly what's going on. And in Acts of the Apostles, you got Pentecost, and then you got a second Pentecost in Acts four. But it's the community in oh, both cases praying together. So you, you you never really have the the Holy Spirit sort of the Holy Spirit can tell people what to do, but it doesn't just show up and fill the place and like bring out the gifts and all these things. So I don't know if this is like a very communal thing, um, or if you can just like. For the sake of our listeners, just go and make your prayer. You know, well, the uh, I mean, you did it. You did a thirty day. You did a thirty day silent retreat. You were in. You were alone in your room. You were making your hours. Was the Holy Spirit there? Did it manifest? Yes, yes of course. Okay, then it can, that's possible. Like it's not. It's no, not like you something- have to have two or three people just so you can have one guy. One guy clapping and one guy mumbling and another guy singing. <laughs> Skeptic number three. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I'm just saying. I'm just saying, again, like. No, what, I see what you're saying, though. What I'm saying is that uh, you. It's true. To the, have. The Holy Spirit inspires every Christian. Right. Christian. And, and there, there, can be, there can be times in which you, you are so moved in prayer, like even by yourself, that you can speak. You can speak a word out like you can just let it out and yeah. and um but i would so would you counsel the people go and make this prayer come holy spirit you know fill my heart uh release in me the gifts that you have for me but and i think it, i think it's better if, if it's done in community i think it's better if it's done in community because what you do is you render yourself vulnerable before another and you actually ask the other people will you pray for me and i'll pray for you yeah when this podcast goes over an hour, we're going to blame Olaf and Goebel for that. Yes. yes. Ah, don't fight me on the mic. Somebody was doing the haka tonight during the uh, prayer. The ha- it is 8,000 degrees in this room right now. So, My, my, my one message my one message from tonight was, 
where two or three yeah. are gathered in my name. That was the one thing I got from tonight, was shout where two out. or three are gathered in my name. Give a shout out. Anybody wants to give a shout out real quick? You got one name, go for it. Father Luke Marquard, just for being you. No. <laughs> <laughs> Am I not supposed to shout myself? That was the first time. To Tony O'Neill. Your, your father Tony O'Neill, love you, man. Love your show. <laughs> Joe, please, come on. Like, I told you just one name. <laughs> was that supposed to be my voice? Yeah, was, this is why no one can do this accent. Right. That right there. That was pretty good. Though. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Um, I want to shout out uh, friends of mine that uh, do a podcast inspired by this podcast uh, called Introduction to the Catholic Life, specifically uh, Connor Goldie and his wife Naomi. Um, they've just had a wee baby, um, and they run this podcast inspired by you guys, so... Good for you, Connor. I want to shout out all the seminarians at St. Augustine's in Toronto. And specifically, uh, Daniel Corso, who listens to the podcast. Hey, Daniel. On behalf of all 12 of us, Linda Grzeszewski, and then... uh, Because she is a huge fan, and and I know she prays for you all, and and she's interested in your lives. And then uh, Father Brian Larkin, just... Yeah, just all the seminarians at St. Mary's College, Oscott. Um, I know there are some guys there who are trying to um, get into the um, ministry of putting the Catholic faith out there on the internet. And um, I don't actually know if any of them listen to the podcast, but yeah, all of them. (laughs) Father Joseph Lejoie, not only once, but now Drice being a member of the studio audience of the Companions podcast that led me into the Companions. Um, I give a shout out to my mom who listens to this, and unless you're driving, text me as soon as you hear this. I love you, Mom. (laughs) This is Father Mel from Seattle. I want to give a shout out to Father Colin Parrish and Father Jeff Moore. Yes. And he's a CL guy. yeah, he's a yeah, CL guy. He's a he's a total Giassani. <laughs> Father Father Luan Tron might be listening in Portland too. Yeah, and uh, Jan Lozier, whoever Jan Lozier is, you got a shout out. And uh, also, I I just want to shout out. They might not listen, but maybe I'll tell them my uh, the old prayer group at my old parish at Immaculate Heart of Mary and Kelso and St. Mary's Castle Rock. It's your fault that I'm here. Yeah. Okay, right. so those prayer meetings at Castle Rock. Cool. We used to go down there for charismatic prayer meetings at Castle Rock. Shout out. <laughs> shout out. No, what? no, no. This is Castle Rock, Colorado. Okay, shout out to Nance, my lady, my mom, Nancy Rep. As long as Joey LaJoie is doing it, I gotta do it. She's great. I love you, Mom. Good night. Uh, shout out to my mom, Mario Lachlan. Oh, it's, it's a trend now. <laughs> shout out to Mario Lachlan. But also, 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 shout out, shout out to Trevor Williams, pitcher for the Pittsburgh yes! Pirates. And big fan of the podcast. That's crazy. Everybody else is gone, but he's coming to play the Rockies on August 6th, 7th, and 8th. I I'm know. Go the game on the 7th. Going to go to batting practice, bring my nephews. And uh, Trevor, thanks for listening, buddy. Okay. And thanks for okay. being a good pitcher. Okay. Go Rockies. Yeah. Yeah, Trevor. Okay. Trevor, Tre- when you come back again, you got to extend this offer again. I want to I want to be on the field, dude. That's right. I played Little League. Yeah. And 
I would challenge Father Michael O'Loughlin to name any other Pirates player because oh. I could actually say something about it, and I won't be in town. Go I'm a Bucks. Cardinals fan, but when it comes to the Central League, no, I mean, on the roster right now. Come on. I'd like to give a shout-out to my one mom, uh, Mary Neppel. And yeah, and also to Ma- Matthew Eastmo, who I promised I would give a shout out to. All right, sorry. Okay, we got fingers flying. Well, this was quite an experience tonight. I think uh, great to have you guys with us. Thank you to the uh, to our buddies with us, Father Brady. Thank yes. you for giving us your room. I promise we'll leave. Summer conference. Uh, sorry we couldn't get Father Brian Larkin on. We'll get you on next time. Thanks again. Catholic Stuff Podcast at gmail.com. Follow uh, Father Michael is Instagram. on Facebook. He's responding. I will respond to your emails. Alexander, <laughs> Cole, Joe, Father Luke, Father Joseph, Father Mel, Father Brady. Great to have you guys with us. We'll see you next week.